2017 MLS season is officially underway. But just as importantly, the U.S. national team, the U.S. men's national team, has a trophy to put in the trophy case. I know it's the U-20s, but it still counts. Hello, everybody. This is the SBI Show. I'm Ivis Kalarsep, and we are back. I know you probably thought it was a mirage last week. The couple of shows that we dropped the pre- uh, previewing the MLS season were going to just be the blip in the radar. But no, we are back. I am back. The show is back, and it, it, it's full speed ahead. We even have some guests lined up. We're going to start having guests on a regular basis. That's the plan going forward. Uh, it's going to be me rolling solo. I will have uh, some some co-hosts here and there, but it's just going it's going to from, from the the as the foundation. It's going to be me bringing on a couple of guests every show. We're going to have players. We're going to have coaches. We'll have other other journalists as well. Uh, my peeps in the journal in the so- American soccer journalism world. But obviously, a lot of shows already do that. So we'll, we'll try to mix it up. We'll try to get guests on that you want to hear from and guests who have interesting stories. So. Look, uh, looking forward to, to getting that rolling. Uh, we're going to talk about MLS Week 1. We're going to recap some of the action as well. Obviously, all 11 matches. Uh, we'll get into some more than others, but uh, there's plenty of action to talk about from Week 1. Before we get to that, though, we have to talk about the U.S. Under-20 men's national team winning the CONCACAF Championship, beating Honduras in the final in penalty kicks. And I know some people were probably a little surprised to see this team Win a title, win the win the U twenty title, and and if and if you were struggling to remember the last time this happened, it's because it's probably because it has ne- it had never happened before. The U S had never won the under twenty championships, and uh, for them to actually step up and win to win this this tournament uh, was a really impressive feat, and especially where the way they started the tournament. I think we talked about it last the last time around. They opened against they opened with a loss against Panama. And, and did not look like a team that was going to go on a run and win the whole thing. But they did. They won, I believe, was it five matches in a row? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, technically the Honduras game is a, tri- is a draw, but they still, they lifted the trophy. And actually, it's uh, for those who are keeping, keeping track, it was the first uh, U.S. national team uh, trophy, youth national team trophy in CONCACAF since 2011. Uh, it was the U-17s back then. And those two trophies are the are the only two trophies that U.S. youth national teams have won since 1992. So it hasn't exactly been uh, glory years for you for the U.S. youth national team setup. But credit to this team, credit to Ty Ramos and the way they responded. Um, and again, to point out, it's it wasn't a full strength U.S. team. Obviously, there's a lot of players that 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 couldn't be released or that you know that are playing in Europe. Clubs are not obligated to release these players, so. The U.S. was missing quite a few guys, and we're not just talking about like the Christian Pulisics of the world, who obviously was never going to be released by Dortmund for a U20 qualifying tournament. But even Cameron Carter-Vickers, Gideon Zelalem, uh, Nick Taitagwe, however you say it, I- I'll perfect his name one of these days. But uh, uh, Weston McKinney, Haji Wright, uh, Josh Perez, quite a few players that 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 were that weren't available for this tournament. But credit to the players that were available; they got the job done. Uh, especially the def- credit to the defense, really. It, it, it coming in, uh, you had to like the chances of this U.S. defense really coming together. And, and Ty Ramos did a really good job of setting it up, putting Eric Palmer Brown in a defensive midfield role. That's not that's not his normal position. He plays center back. Uh, you know, when, when he first start with that first game against Panama, when he lined up as as a defensive midfielder, 
I, I can remember the reaction, uh, you know, in the Twitter sphere of why, what, why is he playing at that position? But credit to Ramos, he put him there. He put Danny Acosta at left back. Uh, the team didn't really have a, a healthy and available, uh, good quality left back option. So he put Danny Acosta there and Danny Acosta was excellent at the left back position. And Eric Palmer Brown won the golden ball for player of the tournament. And just credit to credit to the job Todd Ramos did, and credit credit to this team uh, with, with the resilience that they showed. And 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 you know even though it was it came down to a penalty shootout, they were the better team in the final. They outplayed Honduras, so I, you know I think that needs to be said because I know sometimes you say, oh, you know they won by penalties. Is it, it, does that take some of the luster away? No, it doesn't because they were the better team. They were the best team in this tournament. No one can really dispute that. They beat Mexico. They outplayed Mexico, who was the other powerhouse in this tournament. And I got to say, I'm a little surprised about Panama. Panama did not qualify. The four teams to qualify were the U.S., Honduras, Mexico, and Costa Rica, the host. Just, the, you know, that, I was a little surprised I'll say that about Panama. But credit to, to the U.S., so many excellent performances. And one of the players who did really well for the U.S. in this tournament and, and was really the for me, the best attacking player that the U.S. had in this tournament is Brooks Lennon, who most recently was at Liverpool, was playing, was with the, the Liverpool U23s, but now he's coming home. He's going to be an MLS on loan to Real Salt Lake, the team that he developed under at their academy. And now he's back. He'll be an MLS play. Coming off his excellent under-20 tournament performance, and he we have him here to join us on the SBI show. He's got a day off in Arizona, and then he's jumping right into the season with MLS with Real Salt Lake, who he's joining on loan. We have Brooks Lennon, newly crowned CONCACAF champion. Brooks, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for, uh, for allowing me to be on your show. Thanks for joining us. It's a, it's an honor, and I'm sure you're uh, recovering still from the partying, from the uh, winning winning the title. Now, it was obviously a long tournament in the sense that you played a bunch of games in a short amount of time, and I know people always say, oh, you're, you're, you're 19, you're 20. That's nothing. You should be able to play a game every day, but uh, it, I'm sure it was a grind. What was that experience like? To win that tournament, I mean, I'm sure you've won, you've won things growing up with, with those those RSL teams and whatnot, but what made this tournament and winning this tournament special? It was an unbelievable feeling. Being the first under-20 team to win the CONCACAF championship was really an honor. Every time you put on the U.S. shirt, I wear it with pride, and and I think every everyone on the team gave it their all and, and helped and contributed to the team. So, yeah, it was an unbelievable feeling winning the championship, and that's what we went there to do, and we did it. So I'm really glad and really happy for the guys. Now, I got to say, when it started out, the tournament started out, it didn't look like you guys would be winning the championship. You lose the first game to Panama. It's a bit of a tough game. They they were down a man, every, you know, and, and, and you weren't able to put them away. They're a tough team. Uh, give them credit. But you guys had, had your issues with them. What do you think happened in that first game, and, and what, did, what did Tab Ramos, your coach, say to you guys after that game to kind of get you guys on the right track? We started slow, definitely against Panama. We, we, weren't, we weren't at our game. We weren't gelling as a team. But I think as the tournament went on and as we started to play more with each other, we just got better and better. Against St. Kitts and Haiti, we really gelled, and you could see it on the field. We were playing with each other and fighting for each other. And I think that's really what Tab have implemented after the Panama game is that this is it. I mean, we don't have a second chance at it, and let's let's come together as a team and fight for each other and 
do everything we can to get the results we need. So I think we did that really well as a team, and I'm really happy for the guys, and, and I'm really proud to, to be on this team. Now, now, the one game that stands out for sure, I mean, obviously you had some, some great games. You had the hat trick game, which was in the second game. And uh, I remember, I think that was at Haiti, right? The, the, the game started out. Uh, they scored first, so it was a little nervy at that point. But then you exactly, yeah. At that point, everyone was like, "Oh my lord! If you guys lose this game, you're out of, the, you're done." But you guys responded. You scored your hat trick. The lasting memory for me of that of you scoring that hat trick is Jonathan Lewis making fun of your dancing. I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that, but I'll leave it alone. I don't want to start any trouble between <laughs> between you and Jonathan Lewis. But uh, the Mexico game, that was the game of the tournament. Even for me, even more than the, the than the final which was great with the penalties but the Mexico game Mexico was was destroying their opponents and they looked they looked really unstoppable and you guys shut them down what was the key to 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 beating them and really neutralizing them we the tab from the start to before leading up to the Mexico game he told us that that the rivalry is is always a big one and it's going to be a game that's going to be in the history books and we knew coming out that if we came out strong and and with the with the mindset that we wanted to win the game and win every ball that was there to be won, we were going to come out victorious. And I think we did that. We came out with energy, passion, and we were all fighting for each other. And I think that's that's what really bonded us as a group. Even moving forward past the past the Mexico game, I think that game really had a stamp on on what we wanted to accomplish that tournament. But yeah, it was a great feeling beating Mexico. We came out and did the job. And yeah, it just led led into winning games for us. And that's what we needed. Now, obviously, we all know about the USA-Mexico rivalry with, when it comes to the senior national teams. But is there that feeling uh, on the youth level that when you see those guys, when you when you know you're playing Mexico, that it just adds something to it? I mean, I, there was de- it was definitely feisty. There were there was a lot of chippiness, a lot of talking, a lot of you know. It it, it, it was great. It, it was the it was great to see that that the rivalry kind of carries over. Is that is it mean the same to you guys? Even on that younger level, do you feel that kind of that that feeling of like we we want to beat these guys worse than we want than anyone else? One hundred percent. Yeah, the rivalry is the U.S. Mexico rivalry is so big, and any time you play in that game, you gotta come out victorious. No matter what you have to do, you gotta fight for each other and do everything you can to be able to get the result. And I think we 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 definitely felt the rivalry before the game, and even as the game was going on, it was just back and forth. There were big challenges, and and I'm really really happy with how we handled ourselves in that game and. We had a great, a great goal from Eric Palmer Brown, a uh, great header. And, and then we, we fought for each other, and, and we knew that U.S.-Mexico rivalry is such a big one, and we had to kind of come together and do everything we could to be able to come out victorious. And I'm really happy the result. And the first time beating Mexico in 31 years, it feels great. Now, you, you mentioned Eric uh, Palmer Brown. Obviously, your captain. He won the uh, won the Golden Ball for MVP. How how big was he in the whole thing? How important was he for you guys as your captain uh, and just kind of a, a guy who set the tone, playing out of position, playing in in a defensive midfield role that that we're not used to seeing him play in. And he, he had a, he had a heck of a tournament. How how big was he for what you guys were able to do? He was really big for us. I think. He stepped up as a leader throughout the whole tournament on and off the field. And I'm really happy that that he was able to get the golden ball because he deserved it and he had a great tournament. So, yeah, I I love playing alongside um, someone like him. And 
whenever he's on the field, you just have uh, feels like you have an extra man on the field. So, yeah, it was great, and uh, I'm really happy for him. And I think moving on into the World Cup, he's going to be big for us. Now you guys get to the final, play Honduras. You really outplayed Honduras that, that uh, on the day, but couldn't couldn't get the goal. Uh, their goalie made some huge saves. When you get to the when you get to the shootout, obviously it, it, you guys were pretty confident. But what, what was that? What was the kind of mood when the when the whistle blows on regulation and you guys know it's going to come down to a shootout? The mood was very positive. I wasn't I wasn't surprised how confident everyone was. We we picked the the shootout. Uh, lineup and and we all came together and, and just said, look, this is it. Just step up and and be confident in your shot. And we're gonna trust Jonathan for for the rest. So there was never any doubt in anyone's in anyone's mind that we couldn't win it. And I think everyone stepped up and hit their penalties well. And and Jonathan Jonathan definitely helped helped us out uh, in goal um, for the one that they that that they missed. He. Uh, he put them off. So yeah, it was a, it was a great feeling around the squad, and to to win was was unbelievable. Now, obviously, you you guys just won that. You just finished celebrating, but just to kind of have you look ahead a bit. Now, the, the under under twenty World Cup is in South Korea in May. Have you thought about that? Obviously, there's going to be competition for places, and 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 just because you uh, people were who are on the qualifying team won't necessarily be on the on the team that goes to South Korea. Uh, what what do you think about the U.S. team's chances in the actual World Cup itself, and what do you, it, it, do you see there being some real good, stiff competition for spots on that roster? Uh, yeah, of course. I think there's going to be definite, definitely some stiff competition for the for the spots on the roster, but I think that's that's what is going to make us a great team because we have guys that are fighting every single day in training just to just to step foot on the field. So. I think that's helping us and moving forward to South Korea, we're all excited. But yeah, the, the hard work uh, doesn't stop now. And I think looking looking at our chances and looking at the squad and the depth that we have, I'm really excited. And I think that we really have a good chance in South Korea to, to go far in the tournament. And, and that's what Tab said after after we had qualified. He said, it feels great to qualify and, and it's an unbelievable feeling, obviously. But now looking forward to South Korea, let's Let's do everything we can to to make our country proud. So yeah, I think I think having the stiff competition is is definitely going to help us, and I think we'll we'll definitely get a great group together heading uh, into South Korea. Now you mentioned Tab. Now obviously he he uh, he took the U20s uh, to I believe it was the quarterfinals the last time around. Uh, and they lost to the eventual champions. And now this time around, he wins. He he helps. The team, he leads the team to the first U twenty championship in Concacaf. What makes him a good coach, and uh, what, what do you like him about him as a coach? And obviously, it was interesting because after the Panama loss, people were already like, "Okay, that's it. It's time to get rid of Tab, Tab Ramos." Uh, but obviously, you guys responded. He wins the championship. Uh, what what makes him such a good coach? I just think that he he has. He had so much knowledge about the game because he he was a, he was really a legend in, in in U.S. soccer and and what he did in his career was unbelievable. I and mean, I think he kind of implements that in his coaching style and just the never give up, never stop fighting attitude. He really implemented that into into all the players in the squad. And even after the Panama loss, he never showed any doubt in us, and he told us that. As long as we keep working hard and fighting for each other, we're gonna we're gonna do this. So I think yeah, he he's she's an unbelievable coach, and his mentality towards towards training and and in the games is is really positive. And 
And, uh, yeah, I enjoy him as a coach, and I, it's an honor to play under and under such a legend like that. Now, getting uh, switching the focus over now to Real Salt Lake. Obviously, you're heading you're heading to join them uh, tomorrow. Now you're back. Uh, you're you're in MLS this year. Obviously, you plan to come here and, and compete for playing time and get on the field and get in that starting lineup for RSL. Have you had a chance to talk to Jeff Kassar? And 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 do you you feeling pretty good that that you can compete and get on the field here and and, and become a regular for this team? I do. Yeah, I definitely feel like I can be. Uh, become um, a player that Jeff that Jeff relies on, and and uh, and I'm I'm just going to keep working hard to to try and fill uh, to f- fulfill my dreams of playing uh, for a first team consistently and starting because uh, I think I have the ability and I know and I I've I've spoken to Jeff previously before I went to the under 20 championships that yeah he really likes me as a player and believes in me and he thinks that I can really help this team this season because it's going to be a good it's going to be a great season and I'm excited for it I and mean, I'm just going to do everything I can on and off the field to be able to to make a name for myself in MLS now, now you spent two years over in Liverpool how how, how did your game change or did your game change being over there obviously people think oh you know playing with the u23s that maybe it doesn't you know that that level is not 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 that great but it's actually pretty good level and it sounds like you really learned a lot how how did you change as a player during your time over there i definitely feel like i became more versatile at liverpool they they played me in in a number of different positions i mean i think that i grew as a player through those experiences and through those games and also i think just the training mentality they have in England and, and especially at Liverpool, just the how how intense the, the training sessions are and everyone's always fighting for a spot no matter what day of the week it is. And uh, and I think that really is something that I'll never I'll never forget and, and I, I think I, I'm I'm going to imp- implement that uh, into my game and to always always fight for your spot and, and to never let off the gas because if you do then someone can take your spot right away so it, I just learned that what I really learned what it takes to be a top professional and and the dedication that you have to have to be able to to, to be on the field and be a starter and and work for your dreams so yeah, I definitely learned a lot when I was at Liverpool and I'm really happy that I had the opportunity to do that. Did you did you get a chance to train with the first team? And if so, well, what's what's Jurgen Klopp like as a manager? Obviously, he's he's someone who's really passionate and and has a great reputation. What was that? What has that been like? And what's he like? I did get a chance or chances to train with the first team, which was a unbelievable experience. Playing playing alongside guys like Felipe Coutinho and. And I mean, I, I, there's a long list of names that, that, that there is, but Klopp, yeah, he's an unbelievable manager. He shows so much passion in practice and in the games. So yeah, it was, it was a great experience playing and, and training with the first team, which was, which was really cool. Now you mentioned being able to play or being played in a bunch of different positions. Now we saw you on the right wing with the U twenties uh, pretty much exclusively. What, what, if you had to say, and I know coaches always hate the idea of, of a player saying where their best position is because the coach likes to, likes to determine that, but where do you think, what is, do you think is your best position? Winger. Definitely, uh, I think I, my best attributes are shown when I play winger, left or right side. And yeah, I think I'm definitely a winger. I and mean, I think hopefully I can, I can make a career out of playing that position. Uh, just to kind of wrap it up, what, what, 
you, you, this year is off to a great start for you. When you envision this year and how it's going to all play out, what would make this a, like? What's your, what are your goals for this year? What would make this a great year for you? A great year for me is just to get as much playing time for Real Salt Lake as possible. The more minutes I get and the more first-team experiences I can I can get under my belt, I think it's going to help me as a player. And and so, yeah, my goals this year are to, to uh, succeed in the MLS and really make a name for myself and also at the U-20 World Cup and try and try and do everything I can to, to help the team and and obviously, I'm going to have to fight for my spot, but I'm going to do everything I can to to take it. Great. Well, uh, I think that's. I think we've covered all the topics. I definitely appreciate the time and and good luck uh, joining Real Salt Lake. I know they they've got a good group there. They're they're definitely going to be pushing for a playoff spot this year. Uh, and and once again, congrats with the, with the under 20s and good luck at the World Cup. And hopefully later in the year we can bring you back and you can tell us about the World Cup experience and 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 how well you're doing with RSL. But once again, thanks thanks for joining us uh, on the show. Definitely. Thank you for having me on the show and. Uh, I appreciate you guys calling. That was Brooks Lennon, Real Salt Lake midfielder, U.S. under-20 national team, winger slash CONCACAF champion. And you'll be able to see him with Real Salt Lake, I uh, believe they play uh, at Chicago this weekend. I'm not sure if he's available for that match. I'd imagine he, he will be. He's healthy. He should be good to go, knock on wood. And you'll see him in action. Uh, he's going to, you know, there's some good competition from playing time on that team, on that Real Salt Lake team. So we'll, we'll see how he does and how, how he stacks up there coming back to MLS after a couple of years in England. Uh, before we get into MLS and, and the full MLS rundown of week one, uh, we do have some U.S. national team news. The Gold Cup draw has been announced. And now we know who the U.S. is going to play in the Gold Cup in the group stage. The U.S. will be taking on Panama. Yes, once again, the U.S. is playing Panama. They play them every Gold Cup, although usually it's in the knockout rounds. Occasionally, it's in the group stage, and Panama has has knocked off the U.S. in the group stage before. Uh, Panama will be a tough opponent. The U.S. also facing Martinique, and before you go saying, "Oh, Martinique, that's a that's a gimme," uh, Martinique was in the in a qualifying group with Trinidad and Tobago to get into the Gold Cup, and they knocked off Trinidad and Tobago. So give them a little credit. Not 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 a complete. Uh, Pushover, like I think some people might want to just assume, yes, of course, the U.S. should be favored. They will be favored. They should win, but you never know. And then the third opponent has yet to actually be determined. Uh, it's going uh, to be a playoff. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and look, no, no disrespect, but I'm just going to go ahead and say they're going to play Haiti uh, as the third opponent in the group stage. Uh, Haiti still has to play a playoff, but you know what? I like, I like Haiti's chances. I think we're going to see Haiti. That's a pretty, it's, is it the easiest group in the gold cup? Uh, I think you can, I think you can, I think you can argue that whether it's Haiti, whether it, whether it's Nicaragua, uh, that, that those are the teams that are still com uh, competing for that, that spot in the tournament. Uh, I think it'll be Haiti, but you never know, but it's, it's, is it the easiest group? I mean, I'm sure the Canadians will, will argue that they're in the toughest group. And I think that is, that's the case. That group is Costa Rica, Honduras, Canada, and French Guiana who actually look really strong in their qualifying campaign. So that that's no, uh, there's no, there's no gimmies in that one. Uh, uh, obviously that's going to be a tough road for Canada. And then you have Mexico, El Salvador, Jamaica in the other group, Mexico will be expected to go through 
we'll, we'll see which Jamaica team shows up in, in this in this Gold Cup. But uh, you know, good, to some good groups. We'll see what the, we'll do. Obviously, the real action starts in the knockout rounds. There, there. I mean, there'll be some good matchups there. I mean, I think Honduras Costa Rica at Red Bull Arena is going to be a good game. Depending on if which Jamaica team shows up, I think we'll see. Uh, we could potentially see a good US, uh, Mexico Jamaica uh, group stage match. Obviously, that was the final the last time around. But we'll see how uh, we'll see how things play out this summer at the Gold Cup. But yes, the U.S. does have a pretty cushy group. They shouldn't have much trouble in the in the group stage. But you, you know how it goes. It, it, there's always there's always tricky. It's always tricky at the Gold Cup, especially if the team doesn't come correct. Mexico, as we uh, in case you were unaware or had forgotten, uh, Mexico will be sending a B team to the Gold Cup because they're also competing in the Confederations Cup, which, as we know, the U.S. is not competing in because they lost to Mexico in the CONCACAF Cup. Uh, sorry to bring that up, but yeah, that's happening. So the U.S. will be favored to win the Gold Cup because they'll have the strong, the, the, they'll have their full strength team. Costa Rica is obviously a tough opponent as well. Uh, if they bring their full, their full cast of characters, they are going to be tough to beat as well. And even, uh, even, even bringing a B team, you can't write off Mexico. Uh, Mexico is pretty stacked. They're pretty deep with talent, and I'm sure Juan Carlos Osorio uh, will 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 have some. You know, he'll have some good talent in that team. So, it, I'm looking forward to it. The Gold Cup this summer in July. So, uh, mark mark your calendars and uh, and start buying those tickets if you're a U.S. fan in or near the Nashville area, or the Ta- or the Tampa Bay area, or the Cleveland area. U.S. head in Cleveland uh, for the group stage match. Another U.S. national team news we have to talk about. Some of the players who have made their way back from injury, and at least one player who is now apparently injured. Uh, the player I'm talking about who's injured now is DeAndre Yedlin, who's looking looks set to miss about one to two weeks with a with a thigh injury. With Newcastle, he's missed the last couple of games. Now, if you're a U.S. fan, you can't be happy about that. Uh, we're just we're just about two we're just about two weeks away from the from the U.S. World Cup qualifiers against Honduras and Panama. And DeAndre Yellen obviously was going to be a big factor in those games. And now you wonder what's going to happen uh, if he doesn't play in those games. So obviously right back's a, a position uh, where, you know, you don't have a ton of options. However, obviously Bruce Arena in the in the January camp did look at some options, one of which was Graham Zussi, who played it right back for Sporting Kansas City in their uh, week one opener, 0-0 draw with DC United. We'll get into the MLS action shortly. But first, we have to stick and finish out here with the U.S. national team. Uh, obviously, Yedlin being out would be a big blow uh, for for the U.S. However, on the on the uh, on the bright side, there are some players coming back. Jeff Cameron is back from injury, and he made his first 90-minute appearance since October uh, in Stoke City's recent win, and that's huge news because obviously he's a player who. If he's healthy, you start him. I know Bruce Serena made some comments on Tuesday about not wanting to rush people back. Uh, guys like Clint Dempsey, Cameron, and and even potentially Tim Howard, who still hasn't come back yet uh, from his his offseason surgery. But Cameron's a player who, if he just went 90 minutes in the Premier League now, and you figure he has two more weeks uh, if everything, if all goes well, if he plays two more games, if he plays two more weeks in the Premier League, that's three weeks worth of action, three games, three matches, in the Premier League starting going 90 minutes, he should be ready to go for the World Cup qualifiers. I don't think that would at all be rushing him back. Uh, and obviously with Clint Dempsey, it's a little different. It's a heart condition. You, know, you want to kind of see how he's doing, uh, it, it, where his fitness is. But 
Cameron, I think, is a guy you have to have uh, if he's if he's that healthy, if he's playing in the games. Uh, you know, obviously, it's just one game, so he's, he has a couple of weeks now to to show where he is. But he would he would be huge. He he, he would his inclusion would be huge for the qualifiers in March. Um, and uh, as far as as far as Yellen goes, uh, you know, it's still early. Obviously, Newcastle is going to be uh, you know take precautions there. They're not they're in a situation where they're 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 in first place. Uh, in the league championship, they have the depth to to stick players in who are who are capable uh, players to step in for for Yedlin. So obviously they're not going to rush him back, and they're going to take their time with the injury a bit. So if anything, if Yedlin uh, isn't able to play before he uh, before the qualifiers, but he then can join the team and 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 play in the qualifiers, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. That's something to think about. I mean, he's been playing regularly, playing well for Newcastle. Um, he's actually been getting a lot of a lot of raves for his play of late. So if he misses a few weeks, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think he still uh, could get back in there and play, and, and it would be huge if he could because he'd be he'd be big for these particular games. Uh, moving on now, we have to get into MLS Week 1. First week is in the books, and there's plenty to talk about. Uh, we obviously have 11 matches. <clears throat> I won't be able to dig into every match equally, but we'll try to cover all the matches. We'll go in order. We'll start with Portland, Minnesota. Minnesota United with a brutal, brutal debut. Credit to the Timbers and their unbelievable attack. They won a 5-1. to one. Sebastian Blanco with a great debut. David Guzman with a great debut. And then, of course, Diego Valeria and Fernando Adi looking great as well. As far as Minnesota, <clears throat> it's a match you're going to want to forget. Their defense was atrocious. Uh, Adam Demidov is a player who had heard great things about. Uh, there was a lot of promise about him in the preseason. First week, he did not look good. And, and obviously, it's the first week, and the team is still learning each other, figuring each other out. And I think there's uh, there's definitely a, a lack of cohesion there. Adrian Heat's going to have to sort that out. But I don't think anyone should be too surprised when you're talking about a team that was really thrown together in the last month. And, and from a personnel standpoint, I don't think they're as bad as people think they, they are going to be heading into the year. I think once they get settled, they'll be a better team. But this is where they really paid the price for just kind of not having much time together as a group. Um, and and, and the, the, one of the worst teams you could possibly face under those circumstances is Portland because Portland is just so dangerous in their attack. Their attack was already dangerous, and now they're adding a player like Sebastian Blanco who showed everyone in week one he is going to be a handful. Him and Valeri already have an understanding. A, 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 a sim, you know, there's a there's a connection there you can see, and if I'm a Timbers fan, I'm feeling pretty good, especially not just their performance of their attack, but, I mean, I thought the defense played well. I thought Vitas looked good at left back. I thought Lawrence Olam held his own. I know that position is one where the Timbers are looking to up, upgrade. They're looking to add a difference maker. When Nat Borchers retired, it was a big blow uh, for the Timbers. They went and got Lawrence Olam, and <laughs> pretty good first week. He scores a goal. So if you're the Timbers, you're feeling pretty good about that opening week win. Next up, we have Columbus and Chicago, 1-1 draw. You're Columbus, you're feeling pretty pretty bad about this one because you thought you had three points in the book. Credit to the fire. They pull it out at the end. David Akam uh with the equalizer. And it was a pretty even match. I mean, I don't I don't I don't think anyone can 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 necessarily complain about the result. Obviously, if you're the crew and, and you see the, and and you're that close to kind of you know that close to getting all three points. Um, you know, you, you're going to feel pretty bad about it. Obviously, it, it, for me, some of the things that set out for this match, Zach Steffen starting for the crew. He's a player I've talked about for anyone who's listened to the show for a long time knows that I've been talking about Zach Steffen for a long time as a, as a really good prospect, as a really good national team caliber type prospect. He's going to be in the national team mix. 
sooner than later. And now he's starting in MLS. And I think he's he he that was such a great pickup by the crew last year to get to, to sign him after he decided to come back from Germany. I think that I like that move a lot. Um, as far as the fire go, if you're the fire, you get, you get your point on the road, you go home. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's not, you know, obviously you'd rather win the game, but I think on the, on the road to get a point, they're going to feel pretty good about that one. So if you, if you're uh Velko Panovic, you're not going to, you're not going to be too upset with that outcome. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see how they can build from there. Now that they have the, obviously the new look midfield, uh, which looked okay. Uh, but I think it's going to take a little time for them to get some games under their belt. Next up. LA Galaxy, FC Dallas, FC Dallas, Kellen Acosta with the winner, 2-1 victory for FC Dallas. And I tell you what, FC Dallas looked good. A team that had a Champions League game last week where they played a lot of starters and then to go to LA, they didn't look tired. They didn't look like a team that had just played midweek, uh, playing a rested LA Galaxy team. And 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 they, they look like the better team. I mean, the Galaxy needed a penalty that was a little soft in my book to get the goal that they got. And it was just it was just a bit of a flat performance for the Galaxy. And I know they're missing both their fullbacks. They're they're missing Ashley Cole. They're missing Robbie Rogers. They're missing Jossie Zardes. Uh, right off the bat, you know you're missing some pieces. But having said that, they had enough talent where you would think, okay, they should they you know they can win at home. They should play well at home. I don't think they played that well at home. And I and I can't say I was necessarily overwhelmed by the newcomers that they have. Um, and it's one week. It's one game against a tough team. So no one's writing them off yet. Uh, but Romain Alessandrini, the designated player, eh, he was okay. He, it wasn't a great performance. I thought Sebastian Legette was better. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, as far as Kurt Anolfo putting a Legette right back, uh, yeah, I don't know about that one, especially when you're looking, you're chasing, trying to, trying to get an equalizer. I don't think you put Legette in the back. I know you have to put somebody there, but for me, I thought Legette was actually having himself a pretty good game, even though he was getting moved around. They put him at right wing. That's probably his third best position. Then eventually he moved to left wing. Uh, which is probably a second best position. And then he never actually got a chance to play in the middle, which I think is a little bit of a troubling kind of development in LA. When you think about the galaxy last year, Sebastian Legette looked the best playing in central midfield, but now that they have signed Jermaine Jones and, and uh, Joe Pedro, you wonder, you know, it, it, what, it wasn't a mistake. Was it a mistake to sign both those guys? They look pretty similar in the way they play and what they bring to the table. So I just wonder, you know, if from a balance midfield, from a roster balance standpoint, I'm sorry, I, I have some questions about that, uh, about that whole kind of makeup of that roster. So again, it's one week, Curtin awful first match. Uh, it's not, it's not, it's not panic mode. You know, it's, it's. Uh, I think they'll be okay. They still have tons of talent. Uh, but if you're coming away from this game, you had to be very impressed with FC Dallas, Kellen Acosta. Everyone coming into the season saw him as as someone who you know is going to have a breakout year and what a, what a way to start the week uh, to the season scores the winning goal and he looked really good and Christian Coleman looked okay too I mean he's one to watch I tell you the, the striker for FC Dallas I think he's going to have a big year moving on to Real Salt Lake Toronto FC and TFC went to Utah we're only able to get a point and that's because of Nick Fermando's latest heroics the U.S. national team goalkeeper and potential starter for the March qualifiers, stopped a Javinko penalty to preserve the shutout. Credit to RSL to get that point. I know a home a home draw is not always the the best thing, but going up against a tough team like TFC, if, uh, Jeff Kassar has to has to be okay, uh, be pretty happy with the point there. Um, obviously, we, have, we also like a team that has playoff aspirations. They expect to be better this year. 
Um, but I, I think it's a pretty good start for them as far as TFC goes. You know, they're, they're obviously they're going to be there in the end. Uh, I think they'll feel maybe a little disappointed that they didn't get the, the road win, but uh, I think it was a good start for us. So credit to them. Next up, Colorado Rapids, New England Revolution, and the Rapids with the 1-0 victory. Dominic Baji with the winner. And another shutout for the Rapids, who just continue to have that stingy defense. And, and I know there's some people who thought the Rapids would just kind of come back to earth this year and, and that they're due to take a step back after last year's impressive season. But you know what? They start off with a good the, a good win at home. Once again, the defense was rock solid. And Zach McMath made the saves he had to make. Uh, Tim Howard's obviously still injured, working his way back. But McMath showing once again, and he can handle the job. Uh, Dylan Cerna. Uh, was able to come back. Obviously, he had a major injury uh, last year, and and I think that's if if you're if you're the Rapids, you're feeling pretty good about that. Uh, they should also feel pretty good about D- uh, Dylan Powers, uh, who obviously uh, set set up the winner, set up the winning goal. And uh, I tell you what, I don't know. Maybe the Rapids attack will be a little better than than we expected. I th- I, I don't think it's gonna. I think they're gonna score more goals. I think that with another season under their belt as a group, I think they're gonna do a little better as far as the Wingland goes. Obviously, if you're Jay Heaps, you're disappointed. You get shut out. Although they're out, they're, you know, on the road in Colorado, it's always a tough place to play. But they, they're going to want to get on the board pretty soon. And with the with the attacking players the Revs have, you expect them to score some goals. Next, we have DC United sporting Kansas City and Tim Melia, uh, for my money, the goalkeeper of the weekend. No offense to Nick Romando, Melia was outstanding. Had a penalty save to deny DC United uh, on a day when DC definitely could have come away with the three points. Uh, but it's a draw. Peter Vermees will be happy. Uh, a road draw, you'll always take that. But they did they did take on a lot of pressure, and they, they did really rely on Melia uh, to kind of bail them out. But you know what? This was a bit of a snoozer. We don't need to spend that much time on it. 0-0 in D.C. Next up, one of, the, one of the more impressive performances of the weekend, Houston Dynamo, Seattle Sounders. Houston with a 2-1 victory, and I'll tell you what, Wilma Cabrera, I know I said it in the preseason, I wasn't sold on them, I didn't. I think it wouldn't shock me if they did poorly, but they they, they got off to a really good start, uh, their their attack is as good as advertised, they're, I mean, they, the Dynamo were a team who, were, were they look really good in preseason, so you always you always wonder about preseason and what, what to take from it, but the Dynamo started off the way, it, their first game looked like what they looked like in preseason, which was very dynamic, no pun intended, but when Eric Kubo Torres looks good, scores his goal. Uh, Romel Kyoto looks absolutely dangerous. Uh, and then Albert Ellis, uh, another speedster. Uh, that Dynamo attack is a handful. Now Seattle, obviously, it took them. Uh, it took them a half to get into this game. Second half, we saw more of the quality that made them an MLS Cup champion. Uh, and and the great news of your Seattle is that Clint Dempsey's back. He scored a goal. He's back in action, and, and and not just Seattle fans, but really all American soccer fans should be happy to see Clint Dempsey back in the fold because I tell you what, man, he's a great player. You love to see him on the field, and you want to see him back and doing what he does best. And he already he's already off to off to you know back to his norm, you know, scoring a goal. Uh, and I don't think Seattle's going to lose a ton of sleep over losing this game. Uh, they're going to get back on the draw, back to the drawing board, and I think they'll be right back at it uh, as they move forward. Next up. We head to San Jose, the San Jose Earthquakes, defeating the Montreal Impact 1-0. Uh, I, I, and what had to be the goal of the weekend, or, or, you know, I think most people's choices for goal of the weekend, Anibal Godoy with the clever chip goal over Evan Bush. And that was the winner, uh, San Jose. And their defense was absolutely outstanding, the performance by their defense. And specifically, 
the performance of rookie Nick Lima, who shut down Ignacio Piatti, arguably the most dangerous left winger in MLS, just shut him down. And it, it, you don't, you rarely see Ign- Ignacio Piatti be as as quiet as he was on the day. But credit to the rookie, the rookie handled his job. He did. And speaking of Nick Lima, we happen to have him as a guest on the SBI show this week, coming off of his professional debut. A memorable one for his hometown team, Nick Lima. Welcome to the SBI show. Yeah, thank you very much. I, I appreciate that introduction, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Great. So, uh, so tell me, you know, first game, your homegrown player, you get to play at home. What was that experience like? Especially, you know, getting the W, getting the shutout. What was that like? To start, it was a bit surreal. You know, walking through the tunnel and, and hearing everyone, you know, my name or, or other players' name, walking out from the national anthem because obviously I was in that exact same spot not too long ago being a fan and, and watching the players come out. And so I, w- I was in their shoes and and it felt good. Obviously I had some pregame jitters, um, a little bit of nerves, but I, I think it was normal. And once the game started, they went, went away, but you know, going into the season, it's, it's all about getting the W and that, that was the main focus. And, and once that whistle blew, it was, it was game on. And yeah, I just battled the full 90 and pulled out a result and couldn't be more happy, you know, with a debut, get a shutout and, and get a win to start off the season. So now, obviously, it's it's a it's a big enough deal to to make your first pro start. But then, you know, you see the schedule. The schedule comes out, and you're matched up pretty much against the best left winger in the league, Ignacio Piatti, who, for my money, you could argue was an MVP candidate last year. Not only did you hold your own against him, I mean, his when you look at the stat sheet, he didn't have he didn't have a, a you had more shots on goal than he did, which I thought was pretty crazy. Or you had more shots than he did. You didn't commit a foul. He was pretty much invisible. You know, what was the key to that? How, how did you pull that off? The week before, we were, you know, I heard about him. I didn't hear really his name until the week before. We Montreal, we, we played him because the focus was preseason. And I didn't really talk much about him with, with anyone. They said, oh, beware of Piatti. Um, obviously, you know who he is. Um, here's some film on him. Watched a few clips here and there. But it was it was from the message was, you know, the, they liked what I was doing in the preseason. And just to go out and, and do the same thing that I've, I've been doing. And at the end of the day, Piatti, you know, one of the best, obviously. And I learned that playing against him. But it's just I, I got to do what got me there. And... And so that's what I did, and and it was able to you know become become a good performance and defensively, and and yeah, I just had to be calm because you know if you overlook it, then I think that's when you make mistakes and you, and you try to do something that you've never done before because you've never done it before, so you're going to make a mistake. But just sticking to my game, it, it ended up working out. Now, obviously, uh, MLS, the pro game is different from the college game. Obviously, it's a whole other level. But did, did does that help you a little to have you know played and competed in the, in, in the Pac-12 where you know it's produced its, its good share of, a, of wingers and attacking players? I mean, I'm sure you, you had to go up against quite a few guys who are, who are professionals now. Yeah, definitely. I think there was a very good experience in the Pac-12 with guys who have gone on to have professional careers, very, you know, skillful wingers, fast wingers, smart-minded wingers, um, big and physical. It just, you know, you get a good get a good mix of, of players like that in the Pac-12, and it prepared me um, pretty well. But I think, you know, going into an MLS game, I think my excitement to go out there and really compete with the best was 
helped me as well. You know, having that motivation to go out, it made it even more and more desirable to step on the field. And I was pretty anxious to get out there and compete. So, yeah. <laughs> and now here's a little known fact for people who might not know. Now, obviously, coming in, you were really high, highly regarded as a fullback, as a defender. Uh, by by most accounts that I, from people that I talked to, you were the best fullback coming out. Uh, coming out of college, and I know for a fact that there were actually some teams that were trying to uh, trying to shoot down San Jose San Jose's homegrown claim. I don't know if you know that, but I know of at least two teams who tried to dispute it. They want they wanted you in the draft because they wanted to take you in the draft. Um, but getting into your college career, pe- people might not know you actually started as a forward uh, as a freshman at Cal, and Kevin Grimes, the the head coach at Cal. Uh, moved you to fullback, and, and the rest is history. So take me back to that that kind of moment. You know, you're a forward your whole life, and then and then you get told, hey, why don't you play fullback? When it first happened, it was kind of a slow transition. But, yeah, it was after my freshman year of, of college. Um, so I think, like, in the middle of that spring season, I sat down in his office, and he kind of told me his plans for me and that I can still – I can do a mix of both, just kind of start off and ease into it. And just learn the position, but I mean, as a forward at first, you know, you like you like the goal scoring, and it was a hard to grasp it right away. But I think, I mean, it only took a few days to understand why he did it. And you know, he, Kevin Grimes is a phenomenal coach, and he's a smart guy. And you know, hearing his side of it, you know, I, I was I was up for it, and I was up for the challenge. I knew then that I wanted to be a pro. <laughs> And so with his decision, I knew that I'd have to work at it. And, you know, I, I liked getting to work. And so that's what I did and ended up being a good transition. And I'm, I'm very thankful for it. And I'm very happy, happy how, how it turned out. Yeah, sometimes these college coaches know what they're talking about. I still, I think it was uh, DeAndre Yedlin who uh, <laughs> was started out as a, an attacking player. And uh, Caleb Porter told him, hey, play, go play, you know, play right back. And, and, you know, next thing you know, he's on the national team. He's playing in Europe. He's doing pretty well for himself. And it sounds like Kevin uh, set you up as well. Did it? How long did it take you t- to to kind of fully embrace it? Because, I mean, I know it in the beginning you had to be like, oh, this is, this is I want to be up top. I want to be up top. Like, how long did it take you to just finally say, okay, this is it. I am a, I am a right back now. It took, I'd say, a couple months. Once the season started, that sophomore year, I was, I embraced it. You know, I watched film. I said, okay, I can relate to these guys' characteristics on the field more so than I can other forwards. And I saw myself as a right back. So it didn't take too long. But I think, you know, obviously the skill set to embrace it and become fully comfortable that took a lot longer. That took a few years, and I'm still, I'm still learning. There's still stuff to learn every day, especially making the jump to the next level and only having a few years at right back under my belt it took a little while and and i love i love the transition but yeah i'm I'm still learning but i think i think it was a good move <laughs> you actually you know who played right back is your tech san jose earthquakes <clears throat> technical director chris leach he actually played in mls i actually know i know him really well i covered him uh as a right back at the for, for the red bulls for years has he got has he snuck down to practice to try to give you some tips yet or is he staying away from you <laughs> Well, funny enough, I actually played with the Earthquakes who traveled to England my freshman year of high school, and I went with the first team, and I was I was when I was playing forward and then played a little right wing, and Leash was the right back on the team at that time. So, uh, nice. yeah, I have some, have some experience with him, but, yeah, he, he's given me a few pointers uh, here and there with, uh, you know, me being a right back and, you know, how to approach situations and and stuff like that. But, yeah, he's he's been, you know, 
phenomenal in helping me, and I cannot thank him enough for for what he's done so far in my career. And it's just beginning. Nice. I didn't even know that. Now, now you definitely made me feel old when you told me you're in high school and he was a player. Just to, just reminding. <laughs> I'm sure you remind Leach, uh, Chris all the time uh, that that he is old. He is in fact old. So so. At le- but at least you saw him as a player because that was a long time ago. But uh, yeah, speaking of Europe, you know, uh, and and not related to that that. Uh, that trip, but you actually were in Europe recently, or not recently, but you were in Europe last year on some trials. And uh, from what I hear, you were actually offered a contract to to sign in Europe with Molde, is I believe the team. What kind of ultimately made you decide? You know what? I want to I want to stay in the U.S. I want to stay home and play for the Earthquakes. So there was interest when I when I was there, and I was in the summer going into my senior year, and I had heard previously kind of that there was an opportunity for the homegrown route to work out in San Jose. And so I, I obviously considered, you know, trying to trying to make Molda work, but the biggest thing for me was coming back and finishing my degree because I was so close. I only had a few more classes and one semester to go, and, and as well as coming back and, and, you know, getting a full college season in because there, it was only, what, like four months till the end of the season there, and then there was a full college season, so I wanted to come back and, and finish that off as well as my degree and then you know see what the where the homegrown route went because it's my home and that's where i grew up and i think i wanted to be a part of this you know this growth in the mls and in in my home country and if you know the earthquakes was able to work out that would be that would be my choice and and it did and and obviously i'm here in san jose and yeah i I couldn't be more happy but yeah, there was, there was a consideration, and I was I was very thankful for the opportunity, and I still am. But it just, I think San Jose to to start my career was the best fit. How old can you remember? How old you were when you went to your first Earthquakes game? <clears throat> how old was I? My first Earthquakes game. I must have been like eight, eight or nine. Nice. I could have been younger. So yeah, there, I there... my first Earthquakes team. <laughs> I played on the Earthquakes when I was six. Oh wow! Name of my team. <laughs> so so wait. So are there? Are, so there's got to be some pictures floating around of you, of like seven year old Nick Lima in an earthquakes uniform. Is that is that is that legit? It was kind of like a a knockoff earthquakes uniform. It wasn't <laughs> nice. exactly looked like it. Nice. But we were, our team name was with earthquakes. There's oh. next to me. There's me next to an earthquake banner. That's for I'm sure they use that as evidence to support their homegrown claim. So that that's good. That was that, that was good to have. That was that was probably good to have. Yeah, if they, if they, if they dug deep in the archives, yeah. I'm sure they they find that and use hey, it. Hey, MLS will take it, man. They, you know the rule. They the rules are a little kind of flexible, so I'm sure that was enough. But uh, yeah, it's great. So uh, so yeah, so for people who don't know, you you played at Cal. Uh, obviously, a, a lot of pros have, have come through Cal, and uh, a lot of well-known names that, that have come through Cal. One of, you, one of your teammates at Cal was was John Klinsman, whose dad, everyone knows, Jurgen Klinsman, former U.S. national team coach, who, who I know you know really well. What, what what's what's your relationship like with him? I know he kind of was kind of you know he's a big fan of your game, and I know he, he kind of was you know trying to help you out, maybe look look at all the options and what's what's he been like as as kind of an advisor for you? Jurgen, he's one of the nicest guys that I've ever met and he's been just, you know, instrumental in helping me and mentoring me in, in my career. And I, I, I really can't thank him enough for what he's done. Yeah. He's just, you know, guided me along the process, told me, you know, pros and cons for, for each choice. And just ultimately at the end of the day, it's my decision. And, and he expressed that, but a guy like him, who's been through it all at the highest level, it, it's good to get, uh, you know, his perspective on things and, and what to do and, and how to, you know, interact with the team, with the community is off the field as well as, you know, how to, what to do performance-wise on the field. He, he's kind of gone over it all with me. And, and like I said, 
like I said, yeah, he's he's just been very helpful, and I'm very thankful for that. But yeah, it's it's a great relationship, and I continue to have it with him, and and yeah, it'll hopefully last a long time. Now, now, obviously, John. Uh, people don't know much about John. He's kind of the people know the name, and he's obviously Jurgen's son. Um, but now, now he's kind of his name's kind of you know t- picking up more now. He just he just uh, started for the U.S. Under 20s, who won the Concacaf Championship Under 20 Championships. Obviously, a big tournament, big result. He he was goalkeeper of the tournament. What's he like as a teammate? To tell us a little bit about him, because no, nobody seems to know anything about him, other than him having written the most infamous tweet in American soccer history. And did you guys give him crap for for that tweet? No, John. John is is one of the nicest kids that I've that I've been around. He uh, is actually, you know, he's he's one of my best friends from Cal. And we when we went to over the summer, I was room with him for a month straight in Europe, and so. <laughs> That was that was pretty awesome, but no, no one really, no one said anything. Um, he's a he's a very very humble kid. He's hardworking. Me and him, you know, we work out all the time together uh, outside of training. And and I think you know, as far as the uh, the U20 camp goes, I'm 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 super happy to see that that he got uh, what was it golden golden glove. Right, right. Um, I I think he deserves it. And you know, seeing him at training, the things he can do when when he's on his game are just spectacular for for how big he is yet how quick he can he can react and get low and, and cover all points of the goal is is pretty awesome i've been pretty frustrated with him sometimes because shots that i think are for sure a goal he'll, he'll somehow <laughs> keep out of the net <laughs> so I'll, I'll give him some crap about that <laughs> but yeah he, he's he's a great friend and i think you know he's, he's a phenomenal player and i i've talked to him for the last couple couple days here just about before the game and, and before his previous games and before the final and just wishing him luck and seeing how he's doing and, and, and after it. But yeah, I, I couldn't be more, more happy for him and, and seeing him get what he deserves. From what I understand, he actually really stepped his game up uh, in recent months, taking it even to another level to kind of help him win the starting job there. So uh, if, if you were kind of, if you were, say you were giving the scouting report, uh, what's kind of his biggest strength? Yeah, his shot blocking. I mean, he he can do it all. I think uh, he's he's played at some pretty high levels, and he's you know watched high levels, and and so he's smart as well as you know gifted in in the talent category. And so he he pretty much is a pretty pretty well-rounded goalkeeper. But I think you know what I see day in day out is, is just the crazy saves that he's able to make as well as positioning himself in a right way which is pretty pretty spectacular given that you know how big of a frame he has he he's in a good position to it at at all times it's pretty hard to beat him now one one, one interesting story i heard about you and maybe and you're gonna have to clear this up for me i heard you were pretty high level american football player heard you were running back heard you were pretty good how good are we talking were you d1 prospect were you did you were you a starter break it down how how good were you there were some opportunities to play in college but i I mean my heart was always in soccer i got into football because a lot of my my friends from school they didn't play soccer or at the level i did so i got into football and and because you know i had athletic talent i was i was able to fit in pretty well and in the kicking category i i did I did all right too. Yeah, there, there was a few opportunities to to play at the next level in college for Division One, but it just was wasn't it wasn't where my heart was at. My heart was obviously in soccer, and I committed to Cal so early. I knew soccer is what I wanted to do, but football football was a lot of fun. I mean, I enjoyed it, running around, hitting guys. That, that actually would, could be a, you know a little bit of a stress release at times. What position? <laughs> what positions did you play? I played running back, like a wing back, 
on offense, and then I, I played cornerback, and I played kicker, and I punted, right. and I returned kick. Okay. So, so you thought I played I played a little bit of it all. Were you a, like a thousand yard rusher, or were you like just kind of you know all over the place? I was like all over the place. I spread out a lot, uh, lined up at receiver, and I I ran the ball quite a bit too. So <laughs> I I did a little bit of it all on the offensive side. So, so so obviously soccer has always kind of been your first love. Who was the player? And it's interesting. I didn't know before today about you having been a forward growing up. So I guess the answer is going to be a forward, but who who was your favorite player growing up? It kind of it kind of depends. Uh, when I was young, I used to like Cristiano Ronaldo. I liked him a lot. Yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo was probably probably the guy that I looked up to the most going through my young years and and coming up. But at the same time, I think Danny Alves is the guy that I look at now. And and even even when I was a forward, I still watched him play, and he was always fun to watch watch play and. And I guess I actually I watched Kaká a lot. Kaká was also a player that I that I watched kind of that I didn't like Ronaldo. That he was he he complimented those three. So those are the big three that I always watched growing up. <laughs> right, right. And I know your background's Portuguese. So so were you a big Ronaldo fan because of the Portuguese background or because of the style of play? Was it a little bit of both? Yeah, a little a little bit of both. Um, yeah, there's there's a few times where. <laughs> Um, he let me down with uh, with the Portuguese national team, but <laughs> you made up for that. No, it was a <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was I was a Ronaldo fan. So now, obviously, as a rookie, you have so many things to kind of worry about uh, and, and and kind of focus on just getting ready for your first pro season. Did you take a uh, did you you take a minute to look at the schedule at any point? And are you kind of are there any games you're looking forward to, or is it also it's such a whirlwind that you don't really have time to stop and think about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've always been. You know, take it one game at a time, one step at a time, because cause you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you know, get ready for for a game, or you're not gonna win MLS Cup in 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 a week or in in March. And so we get, just got to take it one game at a time, um, and get ourselves in the right position. So my eyes are on next week against Vancouver, and then the week after that, then I'll look at the schedule and uh, shoot. Yeah, I don't even think I can tell you. Uh, we play Kansas City. Yep, so that, that's about the extent to know <laughs> right, right. to where I. You know. literally are one um, game at a time guy. You don't even know who you're playing in yeah. two weeks. That's good. Yeah, that's good. yeah, exactly. So my my parents they kind of give me um some crap for that because <laughs> because they're always they already like, memorized oh, like, the schedule. They already memorized yeah. the schedule. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And people tell me they buy tickets at an away game and they're like, oh yeah, when you come here, we're doing this. I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea when that is. I'll, I'll see you when that happens. Right. No, well, yeah, it's it just I I think you can control what's what's here in front of you, so so that's where my mind is. Well, you have another good matchup next week, Vancouver. You have a Kakuta Mane. Schedule makers are definitely uh, setting you up there to kind of show off again. Some pretty tough matchups uh, early in the season. I'm looking here actually on the schedule right now. I'm trying to see when you guys play Orlando to see if uh, if Kaká will be back. Because uh, I don't know if you know or not, but he, you know he got injured in the opener. He's out for six weeks, but. Uh, uh, if you play oh, wow. if you if you play against Orlando and he's playing, it, are, are, is anyone gonna beat you out for that jersey? I mean, is that is that pretty much gonna happen? <laughs> well, you can be honest. Call. I haven't even thought honest. about that much. That's the stuff um, you gotta think about, man. These yeah. are these are the things you gotta think about. Yeah, exactly. I still, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll try to get that. I'll and and get there's that no shame. Sure. There's, look, there's no. Don't let anyone tell you there's shame in that because everybody does it. I mean, I remember Don Dwyer pretty much let it be known he want he wanted Terry Henry's jersey and, and and or Steven Gerrard's jersey or different players. It's just it's part of the game. It's part of the game. So after you shut him down, I think then maybe you can the ask week for that before or something. <laughs> yeah, I have to give him a shout out or something. <laughs> nice. Actually, Orlando is. You guys play Orlando on up. Uh, can't find it. I can't find. Oh, there it is. 
May 17th. So actually, you know what? He just might be back in the... We we'll have to we'll, have to, we'll bring you on the show after you play them, and if you go up against Gakan, you can tell us what that's like, what that experience was like. Nice, awesome, perfect. Yep, so, I'll be happy to do that. <laughs> great. So, last question for me. So, what is what's kind of the? I know you're one week at a time kind of guy, but what when you look at this first season as a pro, what would make what would make it a a, a successful season for you? Like, are you look, like at, when you look at it, like what what's your goal? What's your what are your goals for this season? I think my first goal is. From preseason, the first thing we get into the locker room, the first thing that that Dom preaches is, is this is a talented team. This is a new team in San Jose, and and our goal is to to get back to the playoffs and make an MLS Cup run. And at the end of the day, the MLS Cup is is the ultimate goal, and and I think that's my goal. I think it's it's definitely a possibility. I think there's a lot of talent in this rock locker room, a lot of experience, a lot of good mind um, put together. And I think, you know, there's something special in San Jose this year. And, and we just got to keep getting better week to week and improving on, on what we can little by little because it's a long season. Um, I'm slowly learning that. I mean, obviously, the time that I've been here already would have been over half of a college season. So it, it's, a, it's a long season. And um, so, you know, a little hiccup with maybe a loss here and there is okay, but we just got to learn from it and keep getting better and, and push to, to be in that, that final, you know, playoff spot come end of October and really get going and, and you know, prove it in, in November and December when playoffs come around. So I think that's the ultimate goal is making it back to the uh, MLS cup where, you know, San Jose has a good history with a few of those. Right, right. And I know for you personally, I know you told me beforehand you want to win rookie of the year. You want to get called up to the national team. You can be honest. Come on. Just just tell us the truth. Those are the goals, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, everybody. He's a humble kid. I'm not gonna put pressure on him. But when you look at a player like Keegan Rosenberry as a rookie, great rookie year, gets the call up the next January. Is that is that is has he kind of set the is has he set the bar there? Have you looked at that? I, I yeah, I've seen I've seen what he what he's done and obviously hats off to him. He's a phenomenal player. I think I mean I always dreamt as a kid to be on be on the national team and I just just go out and and if I keep performing then and if I get the opportunity and get lucky enough to to get a call up and obviously I would be ecstatic for that but I think you know my main focus is here and and helping San Jose as much as I can and then you know worry about that stuff when if it comes around once again appreciate the time thank you so much for coming on and good luck the rest of the way and uh, it's going to be great to see you kind of develop and just get through the rookie year see if how, how you handle that rookie wall because every every rookie every rookie hits the rookie wall at some point it's all it's all about how you react and respond and recover so I wish you tons of luck and uh you know you're off to a great start obviously so yeah good luck the rest of the way and hopefully we can get you on later in the year so you can tell us about how the year's gone of course yeah thank you very much for having me i appreciate it and yeah i'll talk to you soon that's nick lima uh one of the top rookies in mls coming into the season and he's definitely going to be one to watch especially when you think about the fact that he's a right back yeah he's obviously a good defender and also a speedster from what i'm hearing sources tell me he might be the fastest player on the san jose earthquakes which is pretty impressive considering you know some of the speed on that team but uh, he's definitely one to watch, and I'm sure Bruce Arena will have him somewhere on his radar just because, let's face it, the U.S. national team needs right backs, and Nick Lima might be one to think about for the future. Uh, we're going to wrap up the MLS Week 1 recaps with the last couple of matches. Uh, obviously, on Sunday, you had the Orlando City Stadium debut, 
and they broke they broke crown or 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 they christened their new stadium with a 1-0 victory against NYCFC a little bit of a bitter bittersweet day evening for Orlando City because early in the match I believe it was the 10th or 11th minute Kaká was forced out of the match with a hamstring injury and that's that's a huge blow for Orlando City because let's face it their attack there's some question marks Kevin Molino was traded away uh Kevin Molino was traded away and now you know they still haven't uh, replaced him and that's a big loss he's a big loss for their attack and now you lose him, you've lost him and now you're also losing Kaká uh, for uh, it sounds like up to six weeks, so that that's obviously bittersweet. But the positive, let's face it, let's talk about the positive. They win their opener at home, one zero. Kyle Laren, who else scores the winner? And how about Giles Barnes coming off the bench, replaces Kaká, and one of his first actions as a Orlando City player is to deliver an assist. Very impressive by by Giles Barnes, a player who, let's face it, when he's on his game, the guy can still play. Uh, and I think maybe that's gotten forgotten a little bit that he does bring a lot to the table. He definitely brings some versatility to the table. So when you talk about not having Molino anymore and losing Kaká, Giles Barnes is definitely going to have a big part to play. And obviously, I don't know if we touched on that trade the last time around. But yes, Giles Barnes went to Orlando City for Breck Shea. I know some people were definitely surprised by that, by that trade. But I'll tell you what, Giles Barnes, from an attacking standpoint, I mean, I, I, I think Giles Barnes, you know, he... In, with his versatility, I think he actually will be more – that trade's going to actually be a big help for Orlando just because of the needs that they have now. And Barnes is a guy you can move all over the field, whereas Breck Shea's a bit more limited to playing on the left side. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. But uh, as far as NYCFC goes, they 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 outplayed Orlando for the bulk of the match. They created the chances. Uh, credit to Joe Bendick with the shutout. Uh, but if, if you're Patrick Vieira, how upset are you? Um I mean, you're obviously not happy that you didn't that you didn't get at least a point out of this on the road, but they played well. I thought they played well. They they moved the ball around. They 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 had their chances, uh, but they couldn't finish. Credit to Orlando City's defense. I have to say, Jonathan Spector, in his MLS debut, was outstanding. And I mean, those who remember him with the U.S. national team, you always kind of like wonder, okay, what what's his level? How good is he when he comes back to MLS? What, where, where, what kind of play will he be? And I'll tell you what, first game, first impressions, the guy's a beast. Like, he will be a beast for that Orlando City defense, and he has to be because that defense was atrocious last year. And I think him and, and Donnie Toya, early on, after one week anyway, they look like really good additions for a defense that was one of the worst, if not the worst, in the league last year. So if you're Jason Christ, you're happy about the defense, but you're definitely worried about the attack and about maybe having to hit the international market for an attacking player and not being able to wait until the summer. Because I tell you what, I think Orlando was ready to wait until the summer to try to add another attacking piece and, and use some of that money from the Molino uh, trade then. But I don't know if they can afford to wait. I really don't. So we'll see what happens with them. And now our last two matches of week one, Atlanta United, New York Red Bulls, the other MLS expansion team in 2017, Atlanta. And I tell you what, even though they lost, what an impressive performance not only from the fans in Atlanta, from the with the crowd, fifty five thousand in attendance, uh, but the but Atlanta in terms of how they looked as a team, I mean, I, I came away impressed. I know they lost. I know credit to the New York Red Bulls with the second half surge. They held it together. They stayed in the game, and then they pulled out the win. At, you know, like a, like a veteran team. But Atlanta, with I tell you what, they impressed me. They impressed me with the with, with the way they played. We all know about the talent that they put together. And the question was how how long would it take for them to kind of put it all together and mesh as a team? That's always the tricky part. 
getting all these new pieces to fit together. And and Tata Martino, I tell you what, he, he's done a pretty good job that and for if we in week one for Atlanta to look as sharp as they did in the first half of that match. I mean, they're gonna they're a handful. They're you know what? I know I had my doubts coming into the season about are they a playoff team? Can they really be a playoff team? It's tough for expansion teams to be a playoff team, but this Atlanta team looks like they could absolutely be a playoff team. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, come on, Miguel Almiron, he looks as good as advertised. Greg Garza, US national team defender, is he looks sharp left back. I mean, they they look good all over the field. Yamil Assad. Joseph Martinez, he didn't score, but he still looked good. Uh, Villalba, you know, he 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 was a little quiet. Credit to Kamar Lawrence, helped shut him down. But Atlanta, there's a lot to there's a lot to be excited about if you're an Atlanta United fan. Uh, but credit to the New York Red Bulls, Jesse Marsh. They needed that. They, I don't want to say they. It, obviously, it's week one, so like you know, it's not a must win. But given the fact that the Red Bulls lost in the Concacaf Champions League just last week. Jesse Marsh, I feel like he needed this game. He needed this win because if he starts off the year with an elimination against Vancouver and then a loss in the opener, that would just kind of start the trickle toward criticism uh, and and pressure on him. Because I got to say, there's got to be a segment of the fan base, or or there was going into the season, a segment of the fan base. The Red Bulls fan base that was that was still not happy with the fact that they traded Dax McCarty away. But I tell you what, this showed this performance for me showed me that this Red Bulls team is behind Jesse Marsh and that they they believe in Jesse Marsh and that there's no you know kind of second guessing about the moves and, and everything that went down. They believe in Jesse Marsh and they're going to buy in. And that's what they showed me in the second half of that game. Credit to them because they did not look good in the first half. They didn't look good at all. The Red Bulls did not look good, but they look good in the second half. Uh, Daniel Royer, credit to him. Aaron Long, he looked good at center back. I know uh, Jesse Marsh has a lot of good things to say about him. And he's looking uh, he's looking pretty good. He's looking like Jesse Marsh uh, was right to kind of talk him up. Again, week one, but there's definitely some positives there. Uh, they do want to do a little better job converting chances, but you know what? They showed their quality, and they're still going to be one of the top teams in the league. So credit to the Red Bulls for that one. Last game of week one, I'm sure a lot of you missed it because it was on Sunday night, late night, and you guys were probably watching The Walking Dead. Uh, I watched The Walking Dead too, but I watched it on DVR. Uh, Vancouver, Philadelphia, if you didn't see it, you didn't miss much. 0-0 draw. Uh, per usual, you have David Osted and, and Andre Blake playing against each other. It's Tough to beat those guys, but uh, good, some some good individual performances that, that stand out for me. Christian Dean, great to see him in the lineup and playing well. Uh, for those who remember him, he was that high draft pick a couple of years back. He hasn't really broken through. He's had his injuries, but he looked good for Vancouver. And and you know what? That's uh, that, that that's got, that's a promising one. If you're Carl Robinson, you feel good about the fact that you were able to put Christian Dean on the field and he was able to look as good as he did. So that's that's a, that's a big step right there. Uh, and as far as Philly, Philadelphia, Derek Jones, right? I mean, the young midfielder, uh, Jim Curtin, is giddy right now because he's able to put him on the field. And Derek Jones, you know, you could argue was the best player on the field. Uh, in this game, so that's a big one right there. Uh, you know, homegrown player came through the you know came through the ranks in Philly. So if you're the Union, you're feeling really good about that, uh, and you're feeling good about the fact that you're you're the Union. You just went all the way across the country. You got yourself a point against a Whitecaps team that had to be feeling good about their midweek Concacaf Champions League elimination of the Red Bulls, right? So they're riding high, their fans are riding high, and Philly comes in there, shuts them down, gets the point. 
And that's a positive start. If you're the union, you're feeling good about that. So credit to Jim Curtin in the union for getting that tough road point. And that's it for MLS Week 1. We've covered all the topics. I think the show is long enough now. I don't know how long it is because uh, I didn't have the exact measure counting with the interviews and stuff. But just to give you the idea, the show, I, the plan is to have the show have two to three interviews every episode, uh, whether it's players in MLS, players uh, from overseas, coaches, uh, what have you, owners, whoever we can get. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be working my my contacts list now and, and trying to get a couple of guests every show, uh, and, and hopefully we can get that nice flow going. Uh, at least two shows a week. Uh, it's I'm gonna shoot for Tuesdays and Fridays, but it might be Wednesdays and Fridays. Stay tuned for that. We'll see how that goes. But I'm definitely gonna try to have two shows a week. Uh, and I'm already get, I already have a couple of candidates lined up for the next episode as far as guests. So uh, as you're listening to this show, if you have you have uh, suggestions for who you would like as guests and be reasonable, right? I mean, I'm not going to get uh, Cristiano Ronaldo to come on the show. Lionel Messi doesn't speak English, so it doesn't really help there. Um, but yeah, I mean, be reasonable. MLS players, coaches, uh, people in the American soccer sphere that you would like to have on the show. Uh, let me know and we'll try to get them on. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of fun for me to get the interviews on. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. I'll be back on Friday and uh, I'll try to have my boy Paul Tenorio back on so we can talk about the upcoming week uh, in MLS week two. And we'll have a couple of guests as well. So make sure to join me. And if you have questions that you'd like to have answered on the show, hit me up on Twitter at SoccerBibus and put the hashtag ask the SBI show. Yes, the hashtag is back. So use it. Send me some questions, and I'll answer them on the next episode. But that's it for now. Uh, great time. great Some great guests. Once again, thank you to Nick Lima and Brooks Lennon for joining me on this episode. And definitely make sure to check it out. And make sure to give, us, give me a nice review. Give us a nice review on iTunes. And make sure you check back in again on Friday for the next episode. Once again, I'm Ivis Colarsa. This is the SBI Show.